Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks, Grant. Evening, everyone. Good, uh, good to see people out tonight. Um, just w- one other thing just to say on the announcement that Grant said about baptisms. Next Sunday night, we uh, we always usually run a baptism class each of the Sundays before, which would have been today. But we decided to park that for the very reason that Phil tomorrow night and grew and grew down is teaching on baptism. So we're going to use tomorrow night as our baptism class. So if you'd like to be baptized, come along tomorrow night. Phil will take you through the, the do's and don'ts of baptism sort of thing and teach you the basics, understanding of it, um, and we can sign up uh, at that point. It's great having Grant back, isn't it? Congratulations to him and Lindsay. Um, we lot of here with us tonight as well. <laughs> Delighted for you guys. Um, th- things, it's just a demonstration of this, like things are just constantly changing in people's lives and uh, and obviously as a church Phil, Phil made this announcement this morning um, as a church things are just constantly changing and growing um, and as and as elders we're just constantly trying to pray and discern that uh, we've been praying through just over the last few while just around the area of eldership um, um, and we at, at the minute there's there's one person that we just want to put forward um, to to come on the eldership we've been praying and just seeking the Lord and we feel we'd love to bring Dixie on the eldership, um, we're going to be praying for Dixie on the 16th of June. But we always do this. We always give a month's notice because it's one of those ones we just want to present this to the church family. This is a family thing together. And uh, if you feel that there's anything specifically that you just feel about Dixie that you would just need to let us know of, um, then <laughs> apart from his dodgy singing, uh, then come, come, come and speak to us. Just love you to pray for, for him and Heidi. And continue just to pray for the processes going forward, even as we pray and other other things going forward with with elders as well. Uh, it would be great for that. We uh, it's it's been good being on this series, you know, in in one six six, and what we've been doing on Sunday nights as part of this. Sorry, Grant, I forgot to tell you about this. By the way, someone left a uh, iPad Mini um, this morning. Oh, someone's waving their hand. The lucky winners at the back. There we go, winner, winner. Neil, you have to prove this is yours. Passcode needs unlocked on it, okay? There we go. Um, we, we've been on this, looking at the Sermon on the Mount in this series uh, in 166. And I, I should say as well, sorry, what we usually do at this point before we go into teach is we always do a practice. We're going to be doing that at the end tonight. Um, so that's why it's a little bit different. But the whole, the whole point and the whole, uh, the whole journey, I suppose, over the last wee while, just to, to recap on this, is Jesus is coming. He's hungry just to proclaim one thing. He's hungry to proclaim about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He's desperate for people to get this. He's desperate because this has been the story that has been going from eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. This is what Jesus has come to proclaim. This is his one thing. He wants, to make, he wants to reveal the Father. He wants to reveal the heart of the Father. He is the one who has sat and has been in the presence of the Father and makes him known to us. But he comes and declares that the Father, what he now makes available to us as 
his children that enter into relationship is this, the kingdom of heaven. It is available for each and every one of us. And, uh, and the good news was that as Jesus declared this, Jesus was saying this is for everybody. This was available to anyone whatsoever, even for the people. This was the good news we learned in the very first week. Even for the people who were considered worthless, the, the dropouts, the people who were considered garbage by society, even particularly by the religious people of the day, Jesus comes and says the kingdom of heaven is for you. You can be blessed by it. You can experience the blessing of God even as you go through tough times in your life. And he came and said this, that as he comes and reveals the kingdom, he now comes and reveals an even better way. He had said this, what had happened before was that the law had come and it had been a pointer to us about how to step into and how to engage with righteousness and how to live in a righteous way with God. But Jesus comes and reveals a new way. It's a way that is above all things. This is what we call the Jesus way. Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a new way. And if we follow this, this is, this is the beautiful thing about it. This wasn't about ticking a, a box to say, well, I've done this, that, and the other, which it would have been with the law in the past. It was a very rigid system of things. Jesus now comes and embodies it. Jesus comes and reveals it, comes and reveals more of it. And so where the law was something that taught us how to live a life in the kingdom so that we could become righteous, the one who now makes us righteous, Jesus comes and reveals it. And all we have to do, Jesus invites us, is follow him. Jesus wants to begin to teach the disciples. And someone, he says, and anyone in the room tonight who would say that they want to follow King Jesus and his kingdom, he says he wants to come and bring this new standard. He wants to bring this standard to us. Because here's the thing that Jesus wants to remind us. Being part of the kingdom of God means that our citizenship is in a completely different place. We are not of this world. We are. <laughs> We've been born of flesh. But our citizenship, our heart, our identity now belongs to another it belongs in another place. Paul said this in Philippians, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. We posture ourselves to live this kind of countercultural lifestyle by following some disciplines. We looked at that over the last number of weeks that lead to spiritual formation that as we're formed in the likeness of Christ, what happens is that we begin to think and act differently. What Jesus' heart was is that it wasn't just about talking about the kingdom of heaven. It was trying to teach his disciples, trying to teach all of us how to posture and position ourselves in such a way that we get to engage with it any minute, every second of every day. It's available to us. This is the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It's not just for moments like this tonight when we come to church. You can experience the kingdom of heaven every living second of your day. It's available. It's the heart of the Father. And Jesus wants to teach us how to engage and again, over the last couple of weeks, we just simply said there are a couple of barriers to this. One's around your possessions and your money. And so one of the things we saw that Jesus leads us to do is to ask, how can we live our lives in such a way that we can engage more fully? And the word that we used simply was this, was simplify. How can we simplify our lives? How can we go with less so that others can go with more? How do we not make idols of our monies and our possessions, but we give our worship fully to Jesus? And then finally tonight, as we look into this, the next part of where we go, Jesus comes to now just reveal about what it actually means. Because remember that Jesus' creed was this, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor is even some of the things, the reason why we would do this, why we would simplify, so that people could go with more. It's an action, it's a demonstration of the love of God. But it's beyond that, it's more than that. It's not just actions, it's even how you think about people. 
the thoughts that you have about other people, about people in this room tonight. This is where Jesus now goes to, and he now goes to speak into this. This is where we go to engage more fully with the kingdom of heaven is this. Jesus says, do not judge others. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 tonight. And let me just say, the reason, one of the things that I feel specifically, even just prepping for this, that I feel the Holy Spirit speaking and saying is this. Tonight, this is a, it's a really, 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 really simple message tonight that I want to bring. I just want to just talk through the text. It's only five verses. We're going to look at this. We're going to pause at two or three different sections and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But you know, for me, and I hope for everybody in the room tonight, the heart of why we want to be about the kingdom business, the heart and the reason why we are here, the reason why we do this, is because we want to make sure that our hearts are fully given for the discipleship of every single individual, the discipleship of every single person. Every person is important. Every person counts. We want our lives to be counted so that the discipleship of every single individual is key. And so tonight what we're going to be looking at is that Jesus, as he teaches us and as he leads us tonight, as our teacher, as our rabbi, he wants to reveal to us that there is a mindset that we need to engage and we need to examine our own hearts. But how we live corporately with one another, the things and the way that we think about one another and how we speak into one another's life is key and significant because it is crucial that the discipleship of every individual is the most significant thing in all of our lives. That's what is deemed a success. It's not to do with how, how many people come to church or what was your worship service like. The thing that is success is the discipleship of every individual where their lives are given to the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to be about. And that's why we're going to pray for William. Can we do that? I think he wants prayer again, don't you? Let's stretch out your hand towards him, can we? Father, I thank you when you look at William, the word that you speak over him is blessed. Father, thank you that he's blessed because the kingdom of heaven is present in his life. Thank you for the blessing that he brings to us and how he reveals the kingdom in our lives as well. God, I thank you for this young disciple. Thank you for how he's following you, Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you'll continue just to reveal yourself to him. God, even as we speak tonight and we pray and believe that you're here to reveal more of yourself to us, Holy Spirit, as we just open our hearts to you afresh, I just pray that you'll speak a word to William tonight. Whisper to him, give him ears to hear you tonight, eyes to see you, and thank you that you're here. Pray your blessing fully upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Who are you looking prayer for tonight as well? So this, this is becoming a weekly thing now. This is, this is like a game show. Who are we pointing at? Do you want to go and get them? No. <laughs> Someone didn't come up when they were told to. Tonight, if you have, we're in Matthew chapter 7. Let's read this together, can we? We're just going to take, as I said, about 15 minutes just to go through and unpack this together. Um, I'm going to land just three different spaces just as we go through. Um, let, let's read the text together. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, 
and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In this passage, so Jesus specifically goes straight to the issue of how we look at others and how we view ourselves. This is key. If we want to engage with the kingdom, and we want other people to engage with the kingdom, then it's really important how we look and we view each other, but how we view our own lives. If you were here this morning, one of the things that Phil was talking about, he shared a passage with Paul to Timothy, and he says, pass on. So this message that I'm teaching you, pass it on and entrust it to faithful men so that they can pass it on to other people. This this is how discipleship happens, that what God reveals in your life is not just for you, but it's for you to teach other people, for you to give away. It's how the kingdom spreads. It's how other people get to hear and be taught and, and led in the ways of Jesus by what you reveal and what you teach other people. And what happened was obviously Jesus taught his disciples these things. Jesus taught the apostles these things. And so what we see is that even these words, we see some of Jesus' disciples and apostles repeating them and speaking them and teaching them. The very reason why I'm standing here tonight teaching these things is because Jesus, who taught them to his disciples and taught them to his apostles, now wrote them down and taught them to other people as well. It's why we have them. This is why even the things, whatever you feel God sent you tonight, is for you to go and tell other people. This is how the message spreads. So for example, James says these words, which are very similar, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? And then Paul says this to the church in Rome, just a few verses. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Imagine that. Let not the, the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, oh, or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is what Jesus and his apostles were trying to get, make clear. Do not judge. The Greek word for this, uh, this word for judge is this word, um, krino, I think is how you pronounce it. The, the thing that's confusing or um, difficult about this word is that it can mean like a wide spectrum of different words in terms of its translation and interpretation of it. It can mean, one of the things it can mean is, is simply this, a moral judgment, the distinction or differentiation between what is right and what is wrong. The other thing that it can mean to the, the other end of the spectrum is simply this. It's the, the idea of the word condemnation. That at the end of times as God, our final judge, will, will judge the living and the dead. Some of the passages we're going to go on to read. This is one of the other things that it can speak into. As we'll see in the next point, Jesus in no way is trying to get his followers to not judge or discern what is right or wrong. But Jesus is leading all he follows. So here's the thing, right? If we want to engage with the kingdom of God, this is what Jesus will speak to us through this passage tonight. He is saying this. This is how we need to act as part of the body of Christ. We should never, never, ever, ever, ever condemn or look down on another person. We say that again. You should never condemn 
or look down on another person. This is what Jesus would say. Kingdom people are called to love, not to act the part of God. Kingdom people are called to love, not to act the part of God. A proper understanding, so that verse we looked at, judge not lest you be judged, should really be this. Do not condemn or you too will be condemned by God at the judgment. We are not to be a people that condemn one another. As you know, over the last couple of weeks, do you remember we, we looked specifically at that part where Jesus prays this prayer as part of the Lord's prayer. He says, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we were trying to draw out of that is that obviously Jesus has declared there's a kingdom of God that is present right now. But how do you live in the kingdom present right now? And what Jesus is saying, it's on earth as it is in heaven. In the kingdom that is yet to come, how we will live in the kingdom that is yet to come is how we should be living on the earth right now, on earth as it is in heaven. And so living with a kingdom mindset, we know this, God is the only judge of all things. We're told this, Jesus is the only judge that says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Peter says this, for the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drunken par drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. This is what people know and refer to as the judgment day of God. And here's the true reality. And this is the bit where it sends shivers up your spine. One day, and we believe that it's going to be soon, one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge each person. Every person in this room will stand before King Jesus and give an account of their life. Everybody. No one's going to be left out. I, I, I don't have a clue really fully what it looks like. There's some passages which we'll look at in a little second. But every single person, and you'll not be in a big group like this where you'll be able to hide behind someone. Just, I'm going to stand before Jesus on my own. Jacqueline's going to stand before Jesus on her own. And Harry will stand before Jesus on his own. And Susie, and Judy, and Damien, and Joanna, and Grace, and Hank. No, every one of us will come one at a time. We'll stand before Jesus on our own and we'll give an account of what we've done with our lives. Listen to what it says in some of these passages. Paul says this, therefore, don't take my words, but listen to what it says in the Bible about this. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. In Ecclesiastes, it says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil, and acts. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus says these words in the book of Matthew, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. And Revelations, it speaks about this. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible's really clear. One day, all of us, every single person whom we're going to stand before, Jesus is the final judge of all things. What that reminds us is again that everyone, we're going to be there and Jesus will be our judge. We'll be judged right. Here's the, here's the first important thing. You'll be judged right in relationship with God, not because of anything you've done, good or bad, but by what you've done, by the gift of grace. We've sang about it tonight. When he shall come with trumpet sound, may I then in him be found. That's, that's the most significant thing. Are we in Christ? And Dixie, we sang these words, dressed in his righteousness. Alone, that's what declares you faultless. Not about how good or bad you've been and some of the great things you've done for God or some of the great exploits, but it's the righteousness of Christ. It's all to do with Jesus. However, as we go on, is that, so that's the thing that means that we are holy. That's the thing that means that we're in relationship with Jesus. We still all have to give an account of our lives. Everything we have done, said, thought, we'll give an account of God. And listen, the reason why I just wanted to take time to overemphasize all of this is because of this. It's not our job to judge. That's why I just want to just read all these verses. On earth, as it is in heaven. In heaven, Jesus is the judge of all things. So right now, only Jesus should be the judge of all things. He's the one who sees all hearts and all minds. And what all humans, but particularly the church, have been labeled that, and sadly over the years is that we've been labeled as being judgmental. So we'll see in a couple of minutes, it's not saying we should not discern what is right or wrong, but we should never be condemning of people. We see people sometimes living a totally different life to maybe what our values would be. But Jesus tells us this, you cannot condemn them. The only thing that you can do is love them. That is the responsibility that he's given. We're going to look about how we love people in a little second. But we are told to love all people. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. And he sends us out now to love one another, to love people. This is our responsibility as those who call themselves followers of Christ. I was brought up in a tradition where the way that we tried to make a message across that people were wrong was that they would shout at them. It was almost done in a condemning way. It was with a pointed finger. I see it even today, sadly, in our society that people hide behind computers and hide behind blog posts and different things because they want to condemn and have a message and a voice. And this is the thing we said earlier. It's not the Jesus way. It's not done in a heart of love. It's done in a heart of condemnation. Jesus is the only judge. Jesus is the one who sees every heart and every mind. He is the judge of all things. And this is the thing, just finally saying this, we are never to condemn, only to love. What I want you to do, just take one minute, close your eyes just right now before we just do the last couple of points really quickly. I want you to allow the reality of this. Listen, again, this is not new <laughs> But even if the reality or the truth of it for you, maybe this could be a, a settling moment of it into your heart and your mind. I want you to think about that day when you stand before Jesus and it's just you and him. I want you to imagine some of the things that you'll talk about. 
at, at the end of tonight, we're going to spend some time focusing and examining our hearts before God. And so what I would love to do right now, because it says this in some of the verses, this is not all negative. God is a God who will reward. So what I would love you to do is, I would love you to think, when you stand before God, what do you want your life to be about? As you talk to him at that moment, what do you want that to have been about? It changes even for some people in the room, even your thoughts about what you do next with your life. It's much more important than and this isn't to belittle it, but it's much more important than what university you go to. What job you have, how much money you have in your bank account, what do you want your life to be about? One day we're going to stand and chat with Jesus face to face. So, while Jesus is saying that we are not to judge, what he is not saying, and this is a trap that as the church we can so easily fall into, he is not saying don't discern what is right or wrong. He's not saying do not, do not get to know the heart of God and get to know his ways in such a way that you recognize what is opposed to the ways of God. As we learn the heart of the Father, we want to be about the Father's business we recognize that this is why Jesus has come to reveal all of his ways to us. We recognize that this is what sin is, is that when we step outside of the will of God, it takes us away from what God's best is for us and our lives. And so as kingdom people, we should have our sensors up for areas of sin we could potentially fall into. But we should also, and this is the thing, we should also be looking out for one another. Not in a judging way where we want to catch one another out, but we should be totally against sin in one another's lives because I want the kingdom and Warwick's life as every bit as much as I want it in my own. And I hope that Warwick will want it in my life every bit as much as he wants it in his own. This is what it means to be part of the body of Christ together. We want this for one another and we should be opposed to sin in one another's lives. And this is what Jesus, our teacher, tells us. He says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Paul says these words to the church in Galatia. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. It's our responsibility. It is your responsibility. And I'll caveat this in a little while. It's our responsibility to speak up if we see someone in sin. Because here's the thing. Sin is sin. And as followers of Jesus, we can't turn a blind eye to it. I love what Scott McKnight says in this. It's one thing to be judgmental. It's entirely different to say greed is wrong or that sexual sins are wrong. And saying so is not judgmentalism. The very fact that the New Testament was written, loads of letters were written to pinpoint sins to people. 
And here's the thing, they were not damnations, they were discernment. Paul and many of the writers were discerning things for people. The passage in James we read earlier, which tells us not to judge, is filled with a chapter before where it's pointing out sin to different people. But here's the difference, and here's the thing that's really important. Paul is writing to a people who knows him, and a people that he knows, that he is in relationship with. Right? He's writing words that can be, could be mistaken as judgment, but the people that he's writing to know him. They know his heart. They know that he loves them and he wants the best. And it's the same for us. We can't be a people just going around and pointing the finger at people and just almost like ghostbusters, just like sin busters, where we're trying to just find people with sins so we can point it out and say, how there's a sin in your life. This all has to be done in a place of relationship. This is why Jesus says, if your brother sins, take him into place in private. Like you do that with people you know. If you have friends in your life, listen, this is the thing that's so important. If you have friends in your life, and we're going to reflect on this now just for a moment, who there's stuff in their life that is just not great, point it out to them. This is what it means to be a real friend. And do it with love. It's not on judgment. I need people to do that for me because sometimes we can be blindsided. We have blind spots in our own eyes and in our own life and our own hearts. Speak the truth to one another in love. This is what the kingdom is all about for us. If we want the kingdom of one another's life, don't judge, don't condemn, but don't turn a blind eye to sin. Jesus is being really clear about this. He wants us to live fully into all that he has for us. Friends, speak the truth in love. Close your eyes just one more second. We're almost done. I want you to think for one minute about some of your friendship circles. And this could be family. It could be some of your friends. Some people, firstly, who don't know Jesus, they're not in a relationship with Jesus. And you've never spoken to them before about him. Never had the courage. And I want you to think about the fact that that person one day is going to stand before Jesus. I want you to think about some of your friends who could be Christians. Some people might be sitting in the room right now and you recognize and know that there's issues in their life where there's just been, they've, they've started to step into areas of sin in their life. Allow the Holy Spirit just to point a few people to you. And again, this isn't in a judging way. But what, what would you like to say to them and how would you say it? you're going to help them to see the truth for themselves because as a good friend you want the best for them what does speaking the truth and love look like in that situation we're going to pray in a few minutes and we can pray into that
But you know, the last thing just to ask is this, before you go running out to start pointing out sin to your mates, because the full list of all you've now populated, five of your best mates and all their five worst sins, you're going to go and ring them all tonight, phone a friend. Jesus says, listen, right, hold, hold a wee second. Before you run to do that, let, let's, let's just park it a wee second and let's turn it inwards. Because Jesus, this well-known verse, says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? There's a picture I found of it. Because Jesus says this, like, so it's not even that you try to, you, f- you see a speck in brothers, but you try to take it out. You can be like, so well, I've seen this in your life and it's not really great. And it's not as if with the picture that the sin in your life is greater, if that's, if that's even right, or bigger. But it's just like the fact that it's so close to home, it should be so obvious, so blatantly obvious to you. And what can so easily happen is that we're so readily just want to rush to point out the wrong on other people that we miss actually what's going on in our own hearts. And Jesus would say this, this is the whole point of it, examine your heart before the Father. Examine your life before the Father. I love what Scott McKnight says in this. Again, it's, it's about a self-awareness and an other-awareness shaped by a God-awareness. This is what it means that we get to live and engage in the kingdom together. We start by examining our own hearts. And sometimes when we miss those things that we just are so oblivious to, hopefully we've got good friends around us that help us to be able to see. Listen, that's why I would really love to encourage you if you're not in a life group or an accountability group or have people around you that can just speak the truth to you and can be accountable to you in that area, you need to have that in your life. You can't do this on your own. You've been saved to be part of the family and part of the body of Christ together. And so this is something we need to go after together, one with another. Find those times where you have people to be accountable to. Before we just round up just to pray, again, this is just really simple. I just want to read this passage. Here's a story of one of the greatest people who ever did this and who ever lived this type of life and who demonstrates what it's all about. And his name is Jesus. And in John chapter 8, we're told this story about this woman who was caught in adultery. Man, it was a big sin. Sins come, they don't come much bigger than that. To everyone else, they had a wee speck in their own eye. Man, this was like a plank. This was a log. And they drag her out before King Jesus. And I love, let's read this. Jesus went to Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Scribes and the Pharisees, they wanted to flex their muscles. They brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They wanted Jesus to condemn her. They, were, they had already condemned her. They already judged. And Jesus is looking into their hearts and thinking, who are you to judge this woman? Who made, who made you judge of her? It wasn't their role. Jesus said, we go on to read this. It says, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Just even even meditating on that earlier. You know, have you ever wondered wonder what Jesus wrote? Part of me wonders if he wrote the name of the person she committed adultery with, because he never gets mentioned in this. 
Or maybe it was like the woman at the well. You wrote down the names of a few other people that you've been with. <laughs> Jesus is revealing. I don't think he wrote any of the sins of the Pharisees or scribes because he's not into shaming. But he wanted to reveal to this woman that he knew her deeply and intimately. He starts to write on the ground. You see, we need to know this. Jesus knows you intimately and deeply. And so put yourself in the story. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let, you, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote in the ground. There's still some other things he had to tell her. He wanted to let her know that he knew. But when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stands before us alone. That's what it is tonight. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on. Sin no more. You see, Jesus, what he does is that he just he speaks with love. <laughs> He speaks with grace, but he speaks with truth. He doesn't condemn the woman. He makes sure that the, these Pharisees and scribes don't condemn them. He speaks the truth to them. It's like, if any of you were like sin, then, then far away, because he knew, and you found rightly. These guys hadn't examined their own hearts, and you found rightly that there was sin in their lives as well. But there's a bit at the end that's just really important, and this is what we need to hear tonight as we engage with the kingdom. We want to experience more of the kingdom, because that's what this series is about. Go and sin no more. And tonight, what I would love as we reflect just on these two questions, and then we're going to break bread together just before we worship, I'd just love you to take a minute and just ask yourself this. What is God specifically speaking to you tonight? Why don't you close your eyes? If you have a journal, you can scribble answers to this. But what is God saying to you specifically tonight? very, very basic stuff. But yet it challenges, it challenges me so much thinking about these things. What is God saying to you? And then secondly, just as Dixie and Laura come, I'd love you to just reflect on this. What are you going to do about it? If God is pointing out an area of sin tonight, we're, we're going to break bread in a little while. It's a moment just to examine, to repent, acknowledge. We'll deal with it tonight. If it's about an individual that you need to speak to, what are you going to do about it? If it's an individual that God's asking you to share the good news of, of the kingdom with, what are you going to do about it? what I'd love us to do, because this is the beautiful thing, I said at the start where we didn't do a practice at the beginning, we want to do it now. We're going to come around the table. 
Because this is the place where it's, it's a level playing field. Everyone is equal at the table. It reminds us that we're all one in Christ when we come here. It's a beautiful thing. There's a reason why we can't judge. Jesus is the only one who's above anyone. We, we are all equal together in the eyes of God. And as we come around the table tonight, just even in this moment, it's, it's a very somber message. So I don't know. It's one of those ones that it's, it's, we're not going to sing, oh, happy day. Maybe at the end, well, maybe we will. Who knows? But it would just love us in a moment just to reflect on this. This is a message of, it's, it's one thing to hear God speak into your life about an issue, but it's right, what do you do about it going on? Because when God speaks, he doesn't speak in a judging way. He just wants to release you and to move on to the next bit. And you know the verse that I always say in Proverbs 24, 16, though the godly may trip seven times, they get up again. And then one of those moments that whatever God speaks to you tonight, it's get up, walk forward in his grace and hear the words of the Messiah to you tonight. Go and sin no more. You don't have to be trapped in it. And so let's, as we examine, what I would love you to do, just while the guys play quietly, I would love, I'm going to just move the tables out, uh, and I would love you to come and take a little bit of the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat. We're going to break bread together. Tonight we're all going to take it at the one time. So you get it, bring it back to your seat, and, uh, and then at that point, what I'd love you to do is just hold it, and then we're going to break bread together. So why don't you, while the guys just play quietly, why don't you start moving forward, and, uh, and you can get some of these from the front in the space. Let, let, let's start moving, can we? Just come, there's tables, there's four tables here. I'll start moving to get this and just hold it where you're at. There's some tables up at the front here if you want to start making your way around as well if you're in the queue there's more up at the front here rather than having to queue for these ones
So uh, what, what we want to do tonight, this is, this is our prayer. We're going to ask the Lord just to examine our hearts. As I said at the start, the whole thrust of what I feel the Holy Spirit saying and speaking over tonight, this is about the discipleship of everyone. It starts at home, it starts with us. And so what we're going to do in this practice, in this moment, is what we do and we're encouraging you to do on a daily basis, just to be examining your heart, this prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart, that he would reveal anything to you, even the hidden things that you don't know. This is what we want to be about and praying. And as we do it, what we're just encouraging you to do is just, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. Why don't you take a moment and just invite him and just ask him to come, to be present in this moment with you. What I would love you to do is why don't you start just even over these last few days, why don't you just start reviewing some of the things in your life? And the first thing I would love you to just notice are just some of the good things that God has done and how he has blessed you. As you come around the table, this doesn't have to be a negative moment. This is a really good thing to rejoice in. So why don't you, even in this moment, reflect on just some of the good things that God has been doing in your life. Why don't we start with a posture of thankfulness that we talked about last week? Why don't you start in your heart, just thank God for the things that he's blessed you with. Then I would love you to turn your, your eyes and to ask the Holy Spirit to start pinpointing. Maybe already he has, just even as we've been speaking tonight. But is there an area in your life where you just recognize that if you were to just line your life up against Jesus, imagine a picture of yourself and Jesus. Where are the areas that are just out of kilter, that just don't line up with what Jesus would call you to do? be calling you to be doing and be how to be following him in your life and in those areas that the holy spirit starts to pinpoint right now why don't you acknowledge that that's what this word repentance means it's, it's an acknowledgement of it it's a it's a remorse of a saying sorry and what we're going to do in the step after this is just how we then change our thoughts go why don't you just recognize those points and just acknowledge it before the father right now ask forgiveness for those areas And then final step is just simply to resolve. And this way we have this bread and this cup. And what I would love us to do just in this act of resolve is firstly, let's take the bread, this bread that speaks to the body of Jesus. And let's just, let's just eat it together right now in this moment. And as you eat it, why don't you reflect on the life of Jesus? Perhaps the struggle that you have in your life, you almost think to yourself, it's too hard to overcome. And this is what the life of Jesus, as I reflect when I eat the bread, it tells me, speaks of, of Jesus, who had come in the flesh, Jesus the man, who lived the perfect life. He showed me that it is possible to overcome. Why don't you just ask him in this area where maybe there's a weakness, why don't you ask him for help? Invite him once again. Ask him just to help you.
let's take the, the cup together. Why don't we, we drink it together at this moment? And as we drink, just allow the grace of Jesus to flood your whole being once again. Why don't you just thank him for his grace that even in this moment as he pinpoints things, it's not in a condemning or a judging way, but this is a grace-filled moment. Thank him afresh for his grace. Resolve in this moment to live a life for him. Jesus we remind ourselves tonight that one day we will stand face to face with you one day we will bow the knee and declare that you are Lord of Lords but God before that moment we do it right now God of the posture of our hearts the posture of our beings we acknowledge you Jesus King of Kings Lord of Lords and God we just invite you come and fill us afresh Holy Spirit thank you that you're here Thank you for your grace, Jesus, that has won us. Thank you for your grace that redeems us. And God, we just pray, Lord, that we would be a people that love one another, that speak the truth in love. And God, we just pray, God, that we, while we pray the kingdom come, we don't just pray it for our own lives individually. We pray it for one another. Why don't you feel comfortable? Why don't you just place your hand on the shoulder of the person sitting beside you just as we just pray and finish. And then we're going to stand and sing just in a little second. Just place the hand on the shoulder of the person sitting beside you. Let's just pray this for one another. Jesus, you are our King. Jesus, you are our King. We're here because of you. We want to live because of you. Thank you that we are alive and empowered through your Holy Spirit. And God, this week we commit ourselves as your people once again to live a life for you. God, this week, God, would you keep our eyes, God, from, from being critical or condemning in any way. God, I just pray, Lord, that this week we would be your bride. God, that we would be your church. God, help us to move and to operate in love. Let your love come alive in us in this moment. God, as we lay hands on one another, fill us afresh. Holy Spirit, allow your love to come alive. Fill us, flow through us, we pray. And God, the people that we speak to this week, let them notice the difference, God, in our posture. Let us speak, God, of your love. Let us speak with your love. Thank you that it's your kindness that has led us to repentance. Jesus, allow other people to experience it through our lives. God, be glorified, God, in everything that we do, not just this night, but the rest of the 166, the rest of the hours of this week, for the sake of your glory. Let's stand tonight and let's worship just as we finish, just in these closing moments. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.